0: Today is September 5th, 2021, and today I'm going to do something a little unusual and record this intro and then go right into recording this New Moons podcast episode, which will be the story of my baby Hartley's conception, birth, and death. This is the Heart of the Soul podcast, and I am your host, Amana. This is a space where we remember what it means to be wild, human, and alive breathe life back into storytelling, honor each other's differences, and connect about that which unites us all as human animals. Before I begin Hartley's story today, I would love to take a moment to remember one thing that unites us all, and that is death. At this point in time, all living beings and all humans experience a physical death at the end of their life. Death is experienced in many different ways at different ages all over the world. Some deaths are completely unexpected. Others may be anticipated for months or years. One day, I know that I will die and I do not know when. I will experience this death. I know that it could be very soon or that it might be many years from now. The unknown surrounding death can be very challenging to contemplate in this world where many believe it's possible to know everything. From my life experience to my experience in the medical system, working with the dying, I will say that life is precious, the future unknown. I encourage you to embrace the now that you live in and cherish the life that you have, as well as all the loved ones surround you. So I'm not really sure how this story will unfold today. Um, From my experience of telling Hartley's story, I would say that it, you know, shifts and changes. It's been over time. It's been six years now since she was born. And it partly depends on who I'm speaking to. And right now speaking to the microphone is a sort of different experience. Just telling the story in this way um, compared to when I tell it to maybe I've had other moms who've experienced loss that I'm supporting that ask me to tell my story to them and so I do and sometimes that comes out in a different way and there are so many details and rabbit holes I could go down and I'm not sure what will um, arise today but I trust that it's whatever um, you all that are listening um, want and need to hear today so I will start by saying I have been a woman that my entire life I knew I wanted to be a mom um, was so excited to be a mom I had cared for other people's babies basically my entire life was a babysitter a nanny an au pair in France um, and was just waiting 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 to to have babies of my own. I had attended births with midwives for several years and, um, had known for many years that I wanted to have a home birth. So, um, after I met my husband, we were open to conception pretty much right off the bat. I am now 38 years old and I was 31 or 32 when we met. and. and I was just, we were both had wanted children and hadn't had them yet. So we were excited to um, being open to conception. So then we we did and we actually conceived our, our first baby that I'm not going to go into details with, but um, I had an early birth with that baby at six weeks. And for that to be like my first experience with um, pregnancy was really hard on me because I was feeling like you know this is what I wanted my whole life and now this was my first experience that I couldn't carry a baby past six weeks but it was my fault in some way shape or form um and then we conceived again a few months later uh near new year's near <laughs> near the new year and I was super excited and we just my husband and I both like spoke to this being and we're like, you know, please like live beyond us. And like, you know, please stay. And we're really, I really didn't want to experience another early birth or miscarriage. Um, And was happy when, you know, six weeks passed and I was continued to be pregnant. I did start having incredible incredible morning sickness, all day sickness, where I was nauseous and vomiting day and night, all day, all night. This is at a time when I was working in the emergency department as a registered nurse. And as you can imagine, like emergency departments where people are like puking and all sorts of smells, and that's just did not help the nausea but i you know continued on and did the best that i could and kept on going um and i found a local midwife that i really connected with that had a solo practice tammy i had her on in an earlier one of the earlier episodes i'll try and add that to the show notes if i remember and she was just super lovely and we connected and I was looking forward to, um, having her be present at this baby's birth. And, um, we aligned in many ways. She was very open to my choice not to have an ultrasound at that time. And, um, That's what her children had done. Her daughters had done during pregnancy. So she was very open to that and not pushing me in any way to have one, Um, you know, pregnancy continued on my womb was growing. I could feel this baby moving inside of me. And I was just, you know, sort of miserable in the nausea, but also super excited to have my own baby, to birth this, experience the birth after witnessing so many births, to experience birth myself and experience motherhood after mothering so many other people's babies and children. I was just so excited for this part of my, my own journey. And then um, I started having this pain on my right side and I had, you know, read and soaked in a lot of information about birth and pregnancy throughout my life. And so I knew that it was possibly round ligament pain. So I just kind of brushed it off as not that big of a deal. And um, I remember I was like up enough. It was bothering me enough that I was sleeping on the couch sometimes at night, so I wouldn't bother my husband. And, um, it was just, it was pretty achy and keeping me awake and I didn't want to take anything for the pain because I didn't want to expose my baby to anything. And then I, I got up and peed in the morning and I had blood in my urine and that was the thing that sort of made me go, okay, hmm. you know, I had also spoken to this wombling and said, you know, if you, if you need an ultrasound, let me know. Like, I'm not, I wasn't hundred percent against it. I just didn't feel like it was necessary for me and that baby at that time. And I, I asked this little wombling to let me know if if they needed an ultrasound and so I did have this blood in my urine and decided to go have that checked out in the medical system. They did an ultrasound, um, of my, not a baby, but of my ureters, which is like the tube, you have a kidney and then there's a tube that goes down to your bladder and the ureter is the tube between your kidney and your bladder. If you're watching the video on my YouTube, you'll be able to see me showing that, but if not, you'll just have to imagine. Um, and I had a blocked right ureter that tube between my kidney and my bladder. And when they got like the lab results back, the blood results, they were surprised that I was not in more pain and, um, they offered me more pain meds, which I didn't want to do. And, uh, they said that I had to have, uh, well, they gave me two options. One was having a stent placed. Both of them had risks and, um, yeah. So they said I could either have a stent placed to like hold the, hold the tube open to allow the kidney to drain or to have like a drain put in my back where the urine would like come out my back. And I opted for the stent in my ureter and, um, normal procedure would be that you would go under general anesthesia, but since I was pregnant, I knew that also included risks for the baby. And so I reached out to one of my, um, other midwife friends and also the midwife that I was seeing about possible other options. And, um, my friend Kristen said that. Uh, I could possibly do, uh, have a spinal instead, which would be, which would pose less risk to my baby. So I chose to do that. And that meant that I would also be awake during the surgery. Well, that was what I wanted to do. And I told the OBGYN that it was on the floor where I was in the hospital, but that's what I wanted to do. And she said, no, you can't, um, like the doctor, the surgeon's probably not going to be okay with that, but then We did speak to the surgeon about it and he said he was fine with it and he was um, open to having me be awake and have a spinal rather than being under general anesthesia for the procedure. So that's what happened. I was awake. I remember I said to the provider, you know, because I'm a nurse, I have. Um, Experience with different types of stents. And the ones that I was more familiar with would be a cardiac stent. And the cardiac stents are really small, like, you know, a couple of tic tacs, maybe like linked together would be like the size of a cardiac stent. And they're mesh and they're flexible. And I said to him, you know, is it like a cardiac stent? And he said, yes. It would only be later that I realized that it was not the size of a cardiac stent. It was much, much bigger and much more rigid, but at the time he said, yes. And so I, um, underwent the procedure, had this stent placed, which turns out to be, it turned out to be like, almost like a, you know, like those fuzzy pipes that you use in crafting when you're little, it was like the thickness of if the fuzzy part was like a full rigid plastic tube. And it was long, long, like, you know, over a foot long went was coiled in my kidney and then coiled in my bladder, which then later I understood why I was having so much pain with this scent in there plus a baby. So anyhow, I had this scent placed and that helped, um, it did relieve some pain and yet it also caused other pain. Uh, the OB there was really concerned that I hadn't had an ultrasound and really was pushing for it at that time. Um, and I was still sort of uncertain and not feeling sure that that's what I wanted to do was to have an ultrasound because just like every medical procedure, ultrasounds also pose a risk um, to our babies and to us. So I took a little time to think about it and then I decided to. Um, accept their offer for an ultrasound, it would be one that would be done the next day or something like that. And the physician first wanted me to stay another night in the hospital because of my white blood cell count, which is like a marker for infection, worrying that I could get super sick. Um, but they had already given me antibiotics in my IV and I was going to be going home with antibiotics. And I said, no, I really want to go home. So, uh, they discharged me. I did not have to leave against medical advice. I was able to get a discharge from them and went home and came back to the hospital the next day for the ultrasound. I also left the hospital knowing that if, you know, over the night, I decided that I didn't want to go to that ultrasound appointment, that that's a choice I could also make, but I did go back for that ultrasound and, um, I remember the ultrasound tech, she just didn't really say anything, which I had never had an ultrasound. I'd never been present for someone else's ultrasound. So I didn't know sort of that that was unusual. And she stepped out of the room, said she was going to go talk to the doctor and the doctor came back in and pretty much right away said that our, you know, let us know that our baby did not have kidneys and would not survive outside the womb. And asked if either of us um, in our family lines had had any sort of kidney problems. And we said no. Um, and we're just astonished. You know, I remember my husband being like, you know, so what do we do? You know, thinking that there was a thing to do to be able to help this baby to survive. And, you know, he, as kindly as he could and said, you know, no there's there's nothing that can be done. Your baby will not survive after being born. Your baby doesn't have amniotic fluid and amniotic fluid is needed for lungs to develop. So this baby's lungs were super underdeveloped and didn't have kidneys and you also can't survive without kidneys. So, I remember just Once I realized that this was the path, I just said to him, can I leave now? You know, and he said, yes, I didn't show much emotion in the room. I just wanted to get out. I remember walking out of the office room and seeing like all these staff members looking at me and being like annoyed that that ultrasound tech had obviously like told these other people what the doctor was coming in to tell me. And, um, you know, that's not right. She shouldn't have done that. And yet she did. And, um, so then we walked out and I was, you know, in pain at that time, physical pain, and now this emotional pain. And my husband, Owen, he went to go get the car. So I wouldn't have to walk as far since I was uncomfortable. Um, we got in the car, I just broke down, started crying. We got home. I, I, screamed and cried and wailed the most primal cries of my entire life i was so angry i was so angry and so sad i couldn't and then at the same time didn't also want this little baby that was in me to feel all my anger and sad feelings and yet here here i didn't know she here she was in my womb and i couldn't separate her from these emotions and feelings I was having. And I blamed Owen for things. And I just was in the most distraught state of my life. And I remember yelling out to the universe and thinking universe, like what the hell is going on? Like my first, my first love died, Bjorn. He died. I held him as he died. And then, you know, my first baby died after six weeks. And then now this baby that is growing and has grown. I was six months pregnant at this time. This baby is, you know, big in my womb. I can feel this baby moving. And you're telling me that this baby is going to die. And I just could not conceive. I could not understand. It took me quite some time to wrap my head around the fact that this moving baby inside of me would not live. My husband and I stayed up late. We, you know, cried, we held each other. We just tried to process and prepare. And, you know, and when I was in the doctor's office, they had offered, you know, they offered that I could induce labor and have the baby then. And I said, no, no. Um, and then, so I knew that's what I, that's not what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to, I respect other women's choice to, to make that choice. But for me, that wasn't my choice. I wanted to cherish this time with this baby, make conscious memories, I contacted my midwife. Um, and she also, she spoke to the physician who, um, was there at the ultrasound about, um, having a home birth. And he, he was not that I needed his permission, but he was, um, also, you know, still a vaginal birth is still the best birth for this baby. This baby, she was also breached. So she was bummed down Frank breach with her legs and you know, body folded up, which normally in today's culture of medicine, they don't recommend that you have a vaginal birth with a breech baby. Although there are women all over the world who do do it in the medical system, they don't recommend that for the majority. Um, But since she was not going to survive beyond birth, um, that he was still recommending that as the best way to birth this baby. And my beautiful midwife, she supported me in so many ways I can't even describe. Um, she was just there for me and held me and also offered her care, her care to us. Which was so needed at the time. I did not, I decided to not go back to work for those last few months while I had this precious being inside of me. Uh, We made conscious memories we went to go visit my dad in Idaho we went and visited my mom I would go swimming and eat certain foods I remember reading her the book blueberries for Sal and eating blueberries and telling her you know this is what blueberries taste like you know because I know that she could taste in some way shape or form and just sat with what was to come. I told some of my close friends, but not, you know, I didn't tell everyone. I continued to plan for our home birth. I had an incredible outpouring of love and support from so many beautiful women, goddesses, queens in my life. I had... Um, a group of them who, who created an incredible blessing way ceremony for me. You don't know what a blessing way ceremony is. It's a ceremony normally for women, you know, nearing the end of their pregnancy, getting ready, ready to birth, which I was, but you know, this was unusual in that we all knew that this baby would not survive after being born. So the ceremony and, um, things that we did were just all you know shifted and different in the the feeling of the gathering but it was a beautiful ceremony in my backyard and they created this incredible space with this like with string and cloth and created this beautiful throne, and people came and created you know affirmation flags for me and my friend Jama Jesse she gathered rocks from the river in Wenatchee where she's from and brought them and women chose different rocks and wrote different words on them for me and I had those up around in my house afterwards and um I just felt held and loved. And that's really what I needed. And that's what this group of women gave to me. My midwife was there, my mother-in-law, many beautiful, beautiful women. And they, Jessica created this ceremony where she had this rainbow wrap made because if if you are a part of the pregnancy after loss crew, pregnancy after death, uh, a term that people often use for the next baby that comes is a rainbow baby. So she had this beautiful baby wrap made for me that was rainbow, and she wrapped Owen and I together in this wrap um, with Hartley in my womb and with the hopes that I would have a living baby to wrap this rainbow wrap around in the future. Um, Yeah. I'm pondering whether or not to go into more medical detail because there were other details. Like I wound up having to, have the, that stent removed and another one placed. And, uh, the whole thing was really quite frustrating, but luckily before she was born, I was able to have the stent removed and then not have anything there, which was helpful because then I didn't have as much pain, uh, which was good. And I was able to meet with another mom who had had a baby, not with, so what Hartley had is called bilateral renal agenesis, not having either kidneys. I was able to meet with another mom who had had a baby who had a similar, um, physical form that was born and died. And that woman shared with me her experience, which was very helpful to me at the time, um, and I had researched about, you know, babies with this um, similar physical form that often they die during labor. Sometimes they survive birth, sometimes they don't. Um, I knew that I knew that she might not survive to birth, and I was okay with that. And I also knew that she might come early because that was also something that that was common with these babies, but that I was just going to hold on to her for as long as I could. And I didn't know she was a her. And on that first night, after we found out that our baby wouldn't survive, we hadn't named our baby, hadn't really talked about names that much. We're planning to wait until baby was born to choose a name. We also weren't going to find out if they were a boy or a girl, which we didn't. And, but we did decide that we wanted to be able to have a name to call this baby. So we started calling this baby Hartley. It was a name that came to me and I said it out loud and my husband immediately was, um, was into it as well. And now having named a few other children, that was a very unique experience. So Hartley was her name and like H E A R T L Y, just like the heart shape Hartley. She will forever be in our hearts. I'm skipping around a bit, but, you know, that's just how it goes when I'm talking to you and to myself. So we started nearing closer to the birthing time. I was 35 weeks and six days, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly when I went into labor. But as we were getting close to the time, I I was 30. I must have been 33, 32, 33. doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, I went into labor on a Saturday evening. I started having contractions and we were at our in-laws place. And it was, it was a lovely late August evening it was warm. I remember Owen realizing that the contractions were coming regularly. I was sort of like trying to ignore them. And when we realized that they really were coming regularly, we decided to get in the car and drive the, you know, 40 minute drive home, came home, went for a little walk. I took a bath drank a glass of wine, was hoping to slow labor, slow the contractions. I knew that labor meant birth, which meant death. And I was not ready. Not that I could ever be ready, but I certainly was not ready. So I I tried to stop the labor, but it continued on. I laid in bed. Owen was able to sleep that night, but I was you know, up often with contractions. The labor continued on into the next day. Sunday, all day long, labored and labored, Owen and I. Owen just was there with me, just me and him. Um, supported me, loved on me, held me. At one point, we decided to make love, which felt good at the time. And I know it might sound strange to some, but it felt good. Um, and eventually I called my midwife, let her know that I was in, you know, labor and it was getting contractions were getting closer and stronger. And so she came and um, was with us and her, her assistant was with us as well. And we blew up the birth tub in our living room. I just looked over to where the birth tub was. Ah, the water felt nice. Um, Tammy and her assistant Kathy lay down in the bedroom as Owen and I just, as Owen just supported me in the contractions and in the labor and in the whole process. I know that I was resisting the birth and we also, I didn't want to be checked for, Um, I didn't have any cervical exams. I didn't have, also didn't want to listen to baby's heart tones, knowing that they might not be there, and that that would make the labor even harder for me. so knowing that there was a possibility that Hartley would be alive was was big for me and then eventually, on Monday morning around I would guess it's around one in the morning i, I my body started pushing which I was grateful for. I knew that I knew that feeling like I was pushing her out, that I would make me feel like I was causing her death. And although it was my body and I did push having waiting for that, like natural urge and that like un, uncontrollable, like they call it a fetal ejection reflex, which is, I mean, some man called it that, but like where the body pushes, whether or not like almost like a, like when you vomit, it's the same, but out, out the bottom. Um, and as I felt that happening, as I felt my body pushing, I remember calling out to Tammy and she came in to the space we were in. And at that point in labor, it had been so long. I'd been awake for a couple of days and I was falling asleep along with Owen, like between the contractions and then the pushing started and Tammy came and she was there with us and you know a couple pushes later Hartley's little bum came out which was incredible and then her legs flopped out and then she moved a lot like Flicked her legs, and I was just like, Oh my gosh, baby's alive. And I was so happy that she was alive. And I told Owen to reach down and, you know, feel his baby alive and moving. And so he did feel her move. And then another push, and she was birthed just up to like, you know, most of her body was out, but just like the tip of her head was still inside of me. I remember Tammy saying that she like reached down and um hardly like bit her on on her finger and then with another push the rest of her body came out and I was just so excited that she was alive and I was you know I had seen videos of other people who had babies like this that sometimes you know would stay alive for many minutes and have their eyes open and move but um And if I could go back, maybe I would have held her underwater for a few more moments and seen if she would open her eyes or something, but I didn't. I was so, I instinctively just pulled her up out of the water and just, you know, in those few moments, she never opened her eyes. She took a few gasping type breaths, never really moved after being fully birthed and coming out of the water which was heartbreaking and maybe maybe it would have been even more heartbreaking had I seen her open her eyes I don't I don't know I'll never know but I held her for those few moments that she was alive and Owen held me and her and we just sat and sobbed and cried and she she was gone within moments her spirit Um, and then I birthed her little placenta, and Owen took her body into the bedroom, with the placenta still attached, I believe, and his dog, our dog, Jake, got up on the bed and, you know, saw our baby and was like, you know, what's going on? And Jake nudged, nudged her, like trying to, you know, instinctively trying to get her to move and be alive. And yet she wasn't. I remember I got cleaned up and. We. And at that point Owen had sort of had some time with her body and for him that was like the hardest part and like one of the things I had really wanted was photos because I also knew that you know this would be perhaps the only time that she was alive and we have a few photos of just after she was born not very good quality because it was dark and 1 in the morning um But at that point, Owen felt uncomfortable after a little, after, you know, some time Owen started feeling uncomfortable being around her body without her soul there, but I still just wanted to hold her. And so I did. And so I held her. I took photos of her. I, I looked her over, caressed her body, kissed her, you know, held her little hands, her little feet her little bum because of the kidneys they're often sort of have some different formations of their genitalia and such and she did not have a butthole (laughs) so it was just like this like smooth you know I had a little crack in her butt but no no bum hole um which I don't know so sweet and unique and different and i i slept with her i held her and just wanted to keep holding her um we let some of our friends and family know my dad flew over and saw saw her body and helped me do like some impressions of her hands and a little face. And we had a few other family mother, family members and close friends. Um, Owen's parents came to see to see our baby, to see her body. Our friend Toon, Nathan, he came to see her. I I knew that many people, that wouldn't be something that they could do, and that was okay. And yet, it also was really lovely to have some people come and see this, this little being that I grew and created in my body. And then, um, so she was born on the 31st, and we had her that night and the next night, and then the next day you know, her, why wasn't keeping her on ice or anything like that, which can speed up the process of, um, I can't think of the technical term, but you know, like decay, or I can't think of the right word right now, but her body definitely started smelling. Oh, I also did a bath with her. I took a bath with her and washed her body and um anointed her with frankincense and myrrh and put crystals around her I took her outside at one point took her body outside to see the light and then a couple days later we had to call the funeral home there's a local funeral home that does cremation services for free for babies I know it sounds so weird, but it is. And, you know, it was helpful to us at the time because cremation is not cheap. Neither is burial. Um, but we had, uh, we had to have someone come and pick up her body because it's illegal to transport a dead body. So, huh. My husband is 6'9", and this tiny, like, le- like five-foot man came to the door, and this for Owen was also, like, one of the hardest parts for him. Although he, he was having a hard time, he didn't want to be, like, around her body as much as I did. He also didn't want to hand over her this body, our baby, to someone else, and we knew that's what we had to do, so... Yes, he came to the door and he was very nice and everything. And I had this blanket that my sister Janelle had made for me, for Hartley. When Hartley was in the womb, I, you know, we had decided on the name Hartley and I had really helped felt the color green. And so she had embroidered or like written Hartley on the blanket in fabric. And that was the blanket that we sent her with to the funeral home and we later decided on the middle name malachite which is a green stone and the midwife stone and uh, you know heart chakra is also green so it all felt very connected so um away her body went and then Owen and I were left, you know, in this void. You know, of course we had a baby room and had a crib and had been gifted many things before, you know, when I was six months along and didn't, we didn't know that this baby wouldn't be living. I remember we took a drive. I remember like collapsing in a park and just feeling the fact that I could bend over, that Hartley was no longer in my womb, that I could fold over and just feeling the potent of her her physical form being gone, but then also the palpable feeling of her spirit, her soul also being gone. I felt her with me in a different way, but not in the same way as in physical form. <sighs> Let me get to you. And, you know, this was the beginning of my grieving process. Uh, she was born in twenty August 31st at 1.31 a.m. of 2015. And so it was just um, August 31st, a few days ago. It was her sixth birthday, would have been her sixth birthday. And we've done different things each each year to celebrate and remember her this year we went to an amusement park and with the kiddos and had a lovely lovely time celebrating her but in in this immediate post-birth and death time I feel like this maybe could be a whole other podcast episode but maybe I'll just briefly say that um we were both able to have some time off of work which was super important. And I had a dear friend that was going to be getting married on the Oregon coast. I think like a week later and a week or I feel like it was less than I feel like it was like a week after she was born. So we were able to like pick up her ashes from the funeral home and that Nora Jones song came on. This, there's a song that's called, called the Bag of Bones or something like that, where she's singing about a bag of bones. And we literally had, it's so disturbing. They put her ashes in this plastic bag that was closed with a zip tie. And you could see her little ashes and tiny pieces of bone in there. And I just couldn't believe that we had this little bag of bones that was our baby. And so we decided to go to the wedding and then continue on down the Oregon coast and into the Redwoods. And this was a very important and good time for us. I mean, bad time, but also good time. I remember in ah, this immediate grief, I, I could barely, I didn't want to like be in public. It was a very hard time. And I was also had chosen to pump my milk and donate my milk. And so I was having oh, all these different experiences, but we did take this. I think we took like a week and a half or something down the Oregon coast and just had lots of time just to be with each other and be with mother ocean and be with the woods. And we sprinkled some of our ashes in the redwoods, we put some of her ashes into the ocean And we're just able to be with one another and, um, you know, have this shared experience and process it in whatever ways that we could in those moments. And I think for today, I I will leave it at that and perhaps do a whole other episode about the grieving experience and how Owen and I have grieved differently and also also come together in some ways of grieving at times and how I know that this can be a hard experience. Like it's a hard experience, no matter what, it's also a hard experience like to have with another being and Owen and I hadn't known each other for that long either when we were going through this. So that was another layer for us that we hadn't like witnessed other person experienced like even small ways of you know there are small things that we grieve like a job lost or you know an experience we don't get to have that we wanted to have but this was you know a big experience and we had never really been around been with each other through um, hard times before and then to have this depth of a hard time was just it was rough for sure um, but here we are, you know, six years later after she was born and and she she has changed our lives forever and we talk about her to our kids, we talk about her to others she she was our our first baby that was born, the first birth that Owen no experienced with me, my first big birth experience other than my you know my six week. Birth was more like a period than, you know, birthing a baby that was, you know, 36 weeks and five days, almost 37 weeks. So, yeah, I guess I feel complete with that at this time. I know that can, this is probably a heavy story. I'm guessing that some of you listening have experienced, um, loss and death of your own children and that's why you're reaching out to these stories because I know for me it was very um supportive to hear the stories of other women other moms that had walked this path before me to know that to know that there was you know a future to go towards because there was definitely part of me that just wanted to die along with her a huge part of me wanted to die along with her and it was really hard not to so thank you so much for soaking in this story of me and my baby today and for remembering harley If you are a mother who's experienced the death of a baby and would like to join my free new moon circles for grieving moms, come join my community. I'll put a link in the show notes. Occasionally I'll take a new moon off, but mostly every new moon, I create a safe gathering space for people like myself and perhaps you to speak our baby's names, to tell our stories, to sit with where we are in our grieving journey at this time because grief ebbs and flows and shifts and changes and yet it's always there because our love for our babies is always there if you are a regular listener and enjoying the podcast and have the space and time to leave me a rating or review it would really be helpful i'm not on social media i do have a website and an etsy i offer one-on-one support to women who are experiencing grief of their their journey of motherhood are you inv- are you mothering an invisible child i like i said i offer one-on-one support either virtually or in person and i also offer other sistership support for other reasons for pregnancy birth and postpartum and motherhood um, I handcraft bath and body products that I sell mostly on Etsy. So you can also check those out. Thank you again for being present and listening to this story. Always remember that you are a unique human being. Remember that, that no matter what, you matter. You are loved. Be brave. Be bold. Be loved. Be you.